and welcome to Delusions of Grandeur. I'm Lady Naomi and this is... Chrissy Marie! Hey, Chrissy Marie, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm really good. What are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're actually going to talk about death. Death! Death! Well, it happens to us all. It does, yeah. And so I, what are we going to talk about death? Well, I actually just want to start talking about death. Let's talk about <laughs> death, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk. No, not that. Not that. No, oh. well, you know, that too. But I, I just think that death is a topic that we don't talk about. And self confessed, until probably five, six years ago, I was extraordinarily uncomfortable talking about death. I, yeah. You talking about your own death, or are you talking about the death of others, or just death in general? Oh no, no, always the death of others in terms of like just not knowing what to do or say or yeah, I, I just was very unsure about how to be there for another person during the the death of a loved one. Well, that's what it's all about. Death doesn't mean anything to the person who's experiencing it. It's it's the upset it leaves for the people who are left behind. Yep. Yep. So, okay, well, give me an example. What's been happening uh, that you want to talk about? Well, in particular, so uh, about two and a half years ago, my mother-in-law had a a massive stroke and then subsequently passed away from that. And we, I don't know, we thought that she was going to live forever, as you do. Like you just, you know, she was in her early 70s. Super fit, healthy. Fit, fit as like, a fiddle. Yeah, yeah. Yep, sprightly, independent. You know, if, you, if you're if you in a lineup and you're picking who might be the, the next one to drop off, she'd be the last pick. So, like, really knocked everyone for six because we really just didn't didn't expect it. But as a result, we found, you know, talking to her, her husband and, and sort of saying, well, what were her wishes? You know, where, where did she want to be buried or did she want to be buried or cremated or... Oh, what was her favourite song or like just those kind of things that you that then become necessary when planning like a funeral or, or even planning, you know, estate planning and that kind of thing. It was just nobody knew. Nobody knew. Yep. And so that's why I, I feel so passionately about it because I think that no matter how young or old you are, you need to have conversations with your family and friends to be able to share your wishes and be able to have just have those tough conversations because none of us want it to happen like I I like life life's pretty good Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to really go anywhere but I feel like the greatest insurance policy is to be letting everyone know my wishes you know I've got got my will obviously I think a will is just very, very important for any person. No matter it is, but it's on. pointless putting whether you want to be cremated or buried in the will because no, the will's often not even looked at for weeks afterwards. After the fact, exactly. But in the same filing cabinet, I actually have I have the list of songs that I'd like played at my funeral. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and again, I, because I think... Is insomnia one of them? <laughs> I can't get no sleep. Was that, that's yours. <laughs> No, no, I've I've got some. I've got one called Narcolepsy from okay. um, Ben Folds Five, yeah, okay. which is a beautiful song. It, it pairs up with the, one of the symphony orchestras. So, mm. uh, yeah, but I I think that uh, rather than leaving stuff like that for your loved ones to be guessing about or or being anxious about, I think that if we can normalise talking about it, and and even down to your uh, quality of life, I guess for for want of a better term. Because when, when my mother-in-law had her stroke, they, they'd explained to us that uh, it, it was catastrophic and then if she was to survive that 
um, she would essentially be unable to talk and unable to move and, and that kind of thing. Um, and that's not life. Oh, and, and knowing That's how, an existence yeah. and it's not a pleasant life. No, and, and knowing how she lived her life, even when we were sort of letting people know what had happened, there were so many people who had said to us, I only just talked to her yesterday. So she would literally sit there on a Sunday afternoon and just like chain phone call all of her friends and family and that kind mm. of thing and not having that ability to speak. Uh, that was kind of mm. – that she would not want – not have wanted to. But because there hadn't been that really explicit conversation, there was still that doubt. And, mm. and even though my husband and, and his dad knew that they were making the right decisions and, and that kind of thing – they they still had that doubt because they hadn't actually had those conversations. Whereas I make that, you know, when we're watching the news or, or 60 Minutes or any of those kind of shows where you see these inspirational people where they've had a catastrophic accident and, and they learn to do stuff with their feet or they, you know, overcome all of this adversity. I use that as a really important conversation point to go, you know what, good, good for them, but I would not want to live that way. Mm. So mm. now my, my husband and I have really frank conversations around that's that's the standard of living that I would want to have and that you have permission to make important decisions about my survival or my ongoing living um, if it means I can't have that. So, yeah, it's mm. um, I just think it's – and even with my, my children, you know, they're 20 and 17, um, encouraging them to sort of have these conversations so that if, you know, heaven forbid anything happens to them – I'm not guessing what what's important to them or who's important to them. You know, even knowing who to call when somebody has has a terrible accident or, or has a, a freak health thing. It's kind of like just knowing enough about your loved ones or, or asking enough questions to know who needs to be there in those in those final days and and even at things like a funeral and that kind of thing. How they want that to be and what they want that to look like. Mm. Or if they want a funeral at all. That's exactly right. Some people don't. No, no. And some people are very strong on no funeral or a cane coffin. Yeah. Or, yeah, all those intricacies that, I mean, the, the whole funeral is a business yeah. and a production. You know, there's the videos, there's the music. Oh, I'm down it? for that, seriously. I've got yeah. my, my funeral is like choreographed, seriously. I'm like... I am there for that. It, well, but this is just it. I'll be in the box. I'll be there for that. You'll Don't be worry. There, <laughs> but you won't necessarily be able to experience it. No, but I, I think that by being able to not even plan but document how I would like things to kind of go, mm. it allows people to send me off in a way that they it's it's all me, you know, like this. There's glitter cannons. There's show oh. tunes. Like it's it's there's big. <laughs> so you didn't have the ability with your mother-in-law to have that discussion, but you have had the ability to have that discussion with someone else very important to you. Oh, absolutely. And and we we made it a point to learn from the the opportunity or the chances that we didn't have with with my mother-in-law to really have that with my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, we used a lot of time sort of recording my stepdaughter or his granddaughter, um, asking him lots of questions about his life and about his childhood and, um, 
getting professional pictures. So, you know, when I say professional, getting pictures taken by me, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, subpar, okay, sort of photos. But no, it's, it's um, because that was always something, Val was always behind the camera. So, and that yeah, was... Yeah, there um, weren't photos of her, were there? No. Not many. No, no. And, and even when we were sort of documenting her, her life and, and, you know, in the preparing the, the video for her funeral, it was... Um, it was quite difficult to find images of her throughout her life because she was always behind the camera. Mm. So I'd use that as a little bit of a, a wake-up call to myself to go get in front of the damn camera, you know, because I'd, I'd really fallen into, especially after having kids, fallen into that trap of I'll get those pictures of everyone else and I'll document my children's lives, but there's not too many or there wasn't too many of them with me or mm. me by myself or me and my husband and, and that kind of thing. So my husband and I. My husband and I. <laughs> That's why you're a lady and mm. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a lady. So we need to then to talk about uh, a professional which is called a death doula. Yeah. Yep. There's one on the Central Coast that I'm aware of, but it's not something that is common in our society. So a death doula is someone who comes in prior to your death mm-hmm. and talks to you about what to expect, what you need to do, what you can and can't do, and just helps you make that process easier. Now, you didn't have a death doula for your father-in-law, no. but you did have someone else step in and assist. Yeah, so we, we didn't have a, a death doula, but we had tried to learn from the the mistakes or the opportunities that we didn't have necessarily with my mother-in-law. So um, fortunately, we, we'd already starting started putting things in place with my my father-in-law. But um, and, because and he had been unwell, he had been unwell. You, you weren't just planning for him to just pop <laughs> no. off the perch. <laughs> no, he no, had been unwell. And the the situation that we were faced with, and it's kind of that great irony in that with with Val, we didn't have really any time, and then we had more time than what we thought we would have with, with yeah. Terry. So um, he had gone in for, for re- rather routine sort of surgery due to a, a blockage or a partial blockage in his bowel. And uh, then they had, had started the operation and discovered that the prostate cancer had actually broken free and, and entangled all in his bowels. Um, and so that was causing like a strangulation and that's what the blockage was. So they, they sort of sewed him up um called us in and, and said, you know, thanks for coming, but you've got weeks, if not days left. Um, and that was about the 10th of July last year. And so we, the experience that we had was of, you know, going to the pub and kind of having a bit like a, a living wake, so to speak. Yeah, the living um, wake was a great night. Yeah. And it, it just really allowed his his friends to celebrate him. Mm. Um, but it also uh, allowed my, my husband and, and his dad to be able to again have some some good conversations and and get the house in order um, they were able to get some some good legal advice and financial advice and that kind of thing so that um, you know everything was kind of sorted and then the beautiful part of the story was that you know he survived to see another birthday and survived to see another Christmas mm. and, and then we actually got to go on a beautiful holiday up to Coolum with him which was a place that, that he and my mother-in-law had gone to for well, 20 odd years mm. um, and they loved it there so it was beautiful to be able to make that trip with him um, and then it was it was the end of April this year that he, he actually passed and that was for as prepared as we were, that was quite unexpected because he'd mm. kind of gone from being mm. rather healthy to, to very sick and then passing quite quickly. Mm. So 
um, as you know, we thought we were very clever and very organised and that kind of thing, and and it still managed to to sort of capture us un- unaware. But we were prepared. Mm. Um, we, you know, he'd used the opportunity to prepay his funeral, so it took all of the the guesswork out of it, took all of the financial burden or questions out of it. He got to pick his casket, got to pick his flowers, got to pick how it all went and and what it looked like, and mm. I think that's really empowering and I think that's um oh totally because yeah. none of us get out of this alive no we're all gonna go that's it you can either be prepared and make some really good decisions yeah or you can leave it to someone else well and that's a, even stuff that we learn along the way so and and prefacing this by saying I'm not a financial professional neither of us are no, um no, so so seek not. your own advice but there was an issue with his superannuation where if he was to withdraw it before he died, there was no tax paid on it. Whereas if it stayed in his super fund and he passed, then my husband would have paid 21% on his super. Mm. Like, so it's it's kind of, and, and that money matters when when somebody's passed and you've got to deal with their estate and, and that kind of thing. Because none of it's cheap. No. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> no, no. But it's it's just kind of. Being able to talk to the right people at the right time, surround yourself with some good advice and then actually take that good advice. Yeah, there's no point getting the advice if you're not going to act on it. No, no, exactly. And, and again, it's having the conversations. It's even down to telling your friends that you love them, tell them your family that you love them. You know, or if, if you're in a really shitty relationship, get out, mate. Like it... Because as you say, none of us get out of here alive. No, so it's, we get one chance. Yeah, yeah. Get one chance. This don't, isn't the practice. Don't waste it. <laughs> no. no. And and I think, you know, definitely when your number's up, your number's up. Like I, I always think, you know, you see some car crashes, for example, where, you know, a car's been absolutely pancaked and someone escapes with a scratch. And then mm. other times mm-hmm. you see like a tiny little fender bender and, and someone loses their mm. life. And it's like, you just, you don't know. So. But it's like any other part of your life. You prepare by speaking to an accountant for your tax. You prepare by speaking to a solicitor for the purchase of a home. Yep. So you really do need to prepare for your demise and be organised. Yeah, yep. And it's the greatest gift that you can actually give to your family and friends is by getting your shit together, your financial, your legal, even your, your worldly possessions. Get your shit together and that's the that's the biggest gift that you can give to your friends. <laughs> yeah, don't leave it for someone else. No, no. And even that, that's been, you know, an experience that we've had is is kind of going through the worldly possessions of, of my in-laws and, you know, finding beautiful things that, you know, like wedding gifts. And we knew that they were wedding gifts, but we just didn't know who they were from. Mm. And beautiful collectible things and stuff that they'd hung on to for such a long time. We never knew the story behind mm. any of it. And so that's something I've, I've tried to encourage my parents to do is, for the love of God, any of you, your special stuff, can you just write a short note around like oh. what it is, but also Stick it in the box. who you might want it to go to. Mm. And that's what I said to my mum. I don't mind. Like no one's going to be upset about who you leave it to, but we need some kind of idea about who that should be living mm. with when you're not here. Yeah, you don't want to give it to Auntie Pat if uh, if she's promised it to Auntie Flo. That's exactly right. Yes, yeah. And it's for me that's been kind of the, the tricky thing with navigating is finding the right home for these worldly possessions. Mm. Um, it's not that we, you know, it, it needs to – 
be sold for a lot of money or needs to be donated or, or that kind of thing. But it's just making sure that that thing that meant so much to them finds its way to the right person or the most appropriate person. And, and that's hard when you don't know anything about it. True. So. And it's, look, it's the same with photographs. If, yeah. if your ageing nana has an album full of beautiful black and white photographs from 1950, get it a right on the back who's in them. Yeah. Where it was taken approximate year sure they're not always going to remember but it's the albums full of photos of no one knows the instant ancestor you know claim it as your own (laughs) because no one's written on the back yep and we were lucky so we we actually scanned a whole heap of slides um onto slides slides that's there were were boxes of slides and so we we hadn't found them when val was still with us so we were kind of left with Terry's recollection as far as where was that or mm. what was that. Um, but because he, he was on Facebook, because of COVID, he'd gotten a, a tablet and, and had joined us virtually, you know, so that we could check in with him. We would actually upload all of these slides into an album and he would just comment on them. So mm. that it's like, who's this or, or what's that kind of thing? And he would, you know, he'd be down and just leaving a comment to go, oh, this was about this year and these were the people or this was the mm. event. And so I think it's really important, however it looks for you, whether it be, you know, a physical album and post-it notes, conversations, recordings, or, or virtually through, you know, your Facebook and your comments. But, yeah, find out about who are the people in the pictures and, you know, how old would have, you know, your, your family been at that point in time and mm. just, um, yeah, a, a bit of their history. That was something that my mother, when she was uh, terminally ill, did not want to do, mm. was to go through the photographs and okay. try as I might, I could not get her to tell me who was who in photos. So well, the only thing I could do afterwards, I created a private Facebook group and I uploaded them for my cousins yep. to see if they could recognise people in them because my mother was one of eight and she died two weeks before her older brother and he was the last of the eight. Wow, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the only way we could work out who was who in the zoo was uh, I'd put the photos online and the cousins would all go, oh, no, that's not, that's so-and-so. That's, oh, yeah, I think that was the engagement. Yeah. And it's not perfect, but it's all we've got. Yeah. And I think that touches on another point too is is trying for that accuracy because what we found is there's some fuzzy recollections as far as who certain people are in pictures and so then that can become fact. So mm. we found there were certain pictures mm. where it's like, you know, and a relative was saying to us, oh, no, that's that's X, Y, Z in that picture. And we're like, that's totally not that person. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of like having it documented in a way that it's it's actually factual and, and real. And then it doesn't, your family history sort of doesn't get blurred mm. through the process. Mm. So, yeah, super important. So what are we taking away from this? What do we need to do? We just need to talk about death. We really do. And we need to get our shit together, our, our finances. And this is a life lesson, not just it shouldn't be something just because we're contemplating death or we're talking about death. We need to get our financial shit together. Yep. We need to get our personal identity shit together. Yep. We need to get our possessions together. That's it. We need to have some good quality photos. Oh, please do. We've got to have some music that meant something to us. Yep. We need to share that information with someone else. That's the like that's the key bit because, you know, you know all of that stuff, but write it down somewhere, you know, keep it in in a journal or a book somewhere, but 
let people know that it exists because there's nothing worse than not being able to ask you those questions or, oh, or that kind of thing, not being able to say the stuff or ask the stuff when, when the person's absolutely. gone. Absolutely. I do have I do have a little story. A woman I worked with for many years who was a good friend was ill and was on her last few days and we were actually at the hospital with her when she died mm-hmm. and her parents did not expect it at that time yeah and so it was myself and two other friends were with her and her parents and we discussed after they'd come and confirmed that she had passed away mm-hmm. well what did she want to do did she want a cremation or did she want a burial yeah and her parents had no idea now this woman had been terminally had been battling breast cancer for about four years yeah and that conversation had never been had. Oh. There was also afterwards numerous problems with getting her super. She got less back than she'd paid in in years. Mm. Um, it, it just was not a good financial or emotional position for her parents to find themselves in. Yeah, They did not see it coming. We all knew and it should have been planned for. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And you cannot have those conversations after you've passed. No. So. Because, well, is there anything after? Yeah. I live in the hope. Do you? Yeah. No, I think we get one crack. Oh, see, I like that. That is it the Hindus who are like every time you, you die and you're reborn into something else. And, and the ultimate goal is to be reborn as a, a butterfly. Cat? Oh, a yeah. butterfly? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was just so you could lick your own. <laughs> Don't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I think that's really important, especially on a, a, a terminal diagnosis. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that we're all dying. Oh, we're all dying from the day we're born. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and we've said it before. None of us get out of this alive. Exactly. Exactly. So if you if you plan your life by banking and paying your bills on time and having savings, then plan your death too. And I don't mean plan the day it's going to happen. Plan what you would like to happen. Yeah. What kind of funeral would you like? What kind of music would you like? Do you want a funeral at all? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? My mother wanted a red coffin. <laughs> And yep. it was done. It yep. was organised. Yeah. But if you hadn't have spoken to her about that, you would have had no idea. No. So she would have got bog standard. Yeah. Just, yeah. Brown. Yep. Brown with gold handles, brown with silver handles. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I think that um, the more that, and, and that's what this episode really sort of stands to serve, is just to start the conversation and start um, demystifying death Absolutely. in some ways, um, making it a bit more approachable and a bit more mainstream because I think that's what I don't know it allows so many things to go wrong in terms of the legal stuff after somebody passes Mm. um, is because we're not having these robust Mm. conversations and um, I I even just you know when when one of your friends or family passes use that just as your your stock take it's a tap on your shoulder to go we're all Mm. you know we're all just flesh and bones and we're, we're hurtling around the earth so Use that as your reminder. Um, use this podcast as a reminder and, and use your family and friends and, and those who rely on you as your reminder to get your shit together. And if you're really into it and you're an organised person, you can actually join 
a coffin club. Yes. And you can build your own. You can. <laughs> and if you're not sure what I'm waffling on about, hop onto Facebook or just Google Coffin Club and you'll find that there are people out there who are preparing for their own demise by building their own coffins and decorating them as they want. Yep. So, yeah, get into it, plan it, and if you're capable of joining a coffin club, put your hand up. So thanks again for joining us today. Uh, I know it's been a little bit of a, a more serious kind of topic, but really keep an eye on our socials for some links. We'll pop some links up for Death Doula Coffin Club. Um, but also please share share your stories um, and hopefully you've learned something today and, and you can heed our, our advice or our you know, cautionary tales to go, please, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. please be organised. Yeah, and if you felt uncomfortable by what you've heard today, it's probably because you're not organised enough. Exactly. So to uh, to brighten the mood somewhat, though, for next week. Okay, so what's on next week, providing we're both still here? Well, if we make it. Um, we're talking about pets. Pets? Yeah. Oh, I don't have... Oh, no. What's... Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll unpack your... Yeah. I, I have pets, I don't have, I don't pets, have pets scenario. Yes. Well, it's very simply put. It's <laughs> yeah. not my cat. We'll talk about that more next week. Thanks okay. for joining us. Bye. Bye.